The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Welcome to The Adventure Jogger. We have quite a story for you today. In 1991, Canadian Olympic marathon runner Andy Jones traveled south to Wartrace, Tennessee to run an obscure, strange race known only to a hardy and wild group of runners that race would be strolling Jim. He would run the 41.2-mile course in a blistering three hours 59 minutes and 26 seconds. That would go on to be one of the stoutest records in all of ultra running. This past weekend, think about it, 1991 to 2021. This past weekend, a young man from Lexington, Kentucky broke that record. He became the second person, by the way, in history to run this brutal 41.2-mile road course in under four hours, setting a new course record of three hours, 55 minutes, and 44 seconds. That young man is Zach Bevan, and he's our guest on this episode of The Adventure Jogger. Hello, Zach! Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, welcome, welcome. Stafford's here with me. Uh, we are in the kitchen, so if you hear a little echo, sorry about that, but we're, we are drinking something today. Um, my wife, Christina, went shopping and got a new beverage. Um, first of all, Zach, what are you, what are you drinking? Uh, yeah, we were chatting a little bit before this, but I'm on the complete opposite end of the spectrum as you all. Um, I'm drinking a coffee imperial stout from a brewery that I can see from my front door. Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You can see a brewery from your front door? Yeah, it's across a train track, and there's like a kind of illegal path to get to it, and everyone <laughs> uses it to, you know, look both ways and run to the brewery and come back. <laughs> All right. We are drinking not an Imperial Coffee Stout. We are drinking the brand spanking new White Claw Iced Tea. Imperial Iced Tea. Yeah. <laughs> Let's give that a shot, shall we? Here we go. Ready? That's interesting. Definitely raspberry. Yeah. Wow, that's not bad. That's not bad. I feel bad, Zach. You're not here and you can't sample that. Yeah, no. I'm more of a <laughs> coffee. Like, like, I'll, st I'll, I'll stick with my coffee. <laughs> Have you ever had a White Claw? Zach? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Done the white call thing. Was it's, it your mom's? I mean, it's fine. Like she was, you know, you didn't have, you were wanting a drink and the only thing at mom's house was a white claw? No, my parents are big bourbon people. So, you know, the whole Kentucky thing. Oh, yeah. That's right. Because you're Lexington. You do mm -hmm. have to do, um, you did break, of course, the Strolling Jim course record. We're going to talk about that, of course. But you do need to do the claw mile, Zach. That would be interesting. Yeah. Oh, God. I, I don't know about that. I've, I've done my fair share of stupid stuff. I've done the beer mile. Um, actually, my coworker, Riley, invented, I think we're the only people in the world that run this, but it's called the Rosé Mile. It's the beer <laughs> mile <laughs> with a bottle of rosé instead. Oh. Um, but, Warm rosé, probably, yeah. Room you, you don't want it to be super cold, but you don't want it to be, uh, you don't want it to be warm. Some, you know, lukewarm Ooh. is kind of the, the medium. What is your, your fastest beer mile time, Zach? Fastest beer mile is 634. Fastest rosé mile is 558. Okay, so I'm um, betting your claw mile time would be just below seven minutes. 
Okay, is it harder and, than a beer? And bottle? here's why. Here's Way why. Okay. Yeah, lots of carbonation. <laughs> yeah, see, that's what makes the rosé mile a little bit easier. It sounds daunting to drink a bottle of rosé and run a mile, but when there's no carbonation and you're in the competitive spirit, it just it goes down like water. So Easy. the so the rosé miles act is it a glass of wine every every quarter mile, or do you have to chug a whole bottle of wine and then run? No, you crudely mark off a quarter of a bottle, like into four quarters, <laughs> with a sharpie. It's like that, and then, that's uh, about right. Yeah, right there. Yeah, and then there's a there's a few judges, and you know you take your best guess at what the quarter bottle is, just right. you know down it. And yeah, you put it right side up, and the judge looks at it. And if it's at the at your quarter mark, you're allowed to go run your your quarter mile. <laughs> See, I'd be um, while he was running, I'd be measuring the remaining. Go, he's DQ'd. He didn't. He didn't drink the quarter. That's the only way we he's keep out. up with Zach. He's the out. Only, we can rig it, and by going like, oh, I think he cheated, yep. and that's the only way. Honey, did you know this Zach Bevan who won? the strolling gym and set a new course record. He started something called the Rosé Mile. My wife just walked in where you drink a bottle of wine during and you run like a drink, like a quarter of a bottle of wine and then a lap and all that. stuff. That sounds fun. That's like right up your alley. It is. Yeah. You need to do that. I should. (laughs) She's not sold on the idea at all. Okay. Enough talking about drinking. We have Zach Bevan on for crying out loud. And a lot of people right now are saying, who is Zach Bevan? Where did he come from? Um, we did say Lexington in the intro, but kind of give us the Zach Bevan running story. There's a story there because you don't pop out five-minute miles for 41.2 miles and just stroll out of nowhere. What is the Zach Bevan story? Yeah, so the Zach Bevan story is kind of the story of Zach wanting to run ultramarathons his entire life and being told really? I wasn't allowed. Yeah, and I wasn't allowed to until I did, you know, the things I was supposed to do to get to that point. You have um, you, you have to progress to that. Right. You just can't. Yeah. How old were you when you wanted to start running ultras? I think my first exposure to the concept of ultras was like in, I think, sixth grade, fifth or sixth grade. I read in a Runner's World magazine mm-hmm. about Comrades Marathon. Yeah. And something about, you know, just the concept of running really far. <laughs> you know captured a hold of my mind i was already you know like running track as well as playing other sports and stuff but um when i read that article i was like that sounds awesome so you're a young um, kid your elementary school you bring this up to your parents and you're like i want to do this thing well i don't know if i particularly brought it up to my parents but i can i convinced them to let me enter a half marathon at age 11 which in retrospect is kind of i mean it's not that crazy but um it's probably earlier than most people would be wanting to run a half marathon how did 11-year-old um, Zach Bevan handle a half marathon? 11-year-old Zach ran 131. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. So obviously it went very well, Zach. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, I'm doing all these other sports and like, I like basketball. I mean, you know, UK basketball fan, like basketball is yeah. my you know, dream of if I could be a good at any sport, it'd be basketball. But, you know, being a uh, five foot seven white guy with no. Yeah, that's uh, (laughs) probably not (laughs) going to work out real well. You know, (laughs) when I was talking to Golden Harper, who has the world record for fastest um, marathon done by like a 12 or 13 year old, I, I was asking him when he was running that as a kid and running really fast. If he could hear adults go like, oh, that damn kid, could you hear like the mumbles <laughs> as you're blowing by adults at 11 years old? Zach, do you remember the mumbles of adults as you blew by them? Yeah, a little bit. I mostly remember a lot of people just cheering for me because 
I've never been like a big guy. And especially when I was like, you know, 11, 12, I was like, I think my dog outweighed me until I was like 13 years old. <laughs> it was just this little kid running through the streets of Louisville. You like, know, who's this toddler running a half marathon? <laughs> yeah. So you did the um, half. Then what was your, what was your kind of, did you do the normal progression and then like bump up to full marathon and then bump up to 50K and et cetera, et cetera? So, so I was actually in a pretty regimented high school program. Mm-hmm. Very successful, like multiple time team state champions. Yeah. Um, ended up running like sub 420 and about 913 for the two mile um, in high school. Uh, four, or 15, I think like 15, 17 for the 5K. Oh, um, wow. And I was just like one of, you know, four or five guys that were of that level. Um, so, so you weren't the bright, was, you were the bright shining star of that team. You were one of many. I was, yeah, I was one of more like maybe three or four or five guys that were, you know, all doing that sort of thing. Um but from there, I went to university. Well, I actually went to university, Belmont University for a year. Um, but oh, down our way in Nashville. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, transferred after a year for academic reasons to University of Kentucky. Uh, and then spent last three years of eligibility in the SEC running for University of Kentucky, which, as I mentioned, had been a fan of my entire life. You know, the yeah. basketball team, football leaves a little to be desired, but um, usually the basketball team's fun to cheer for. Right, right. Did you, did you, as a cross country runner, did you go track down Coach Calipari and be like, hey, Coach Cal, if you, if you need somebody that can run the ball down quick, I can do I, it. I'm your I guy. Can do it. I'm your guy. <laughs> no, I actually had a teammate who, uh, just one of those weird small world things. He was from Pittsburgh and yeah. his grandpa was Coach Cal's high school coach. Interesting. So, this teammate of mine would just like go to coach Cal's house for dinner, <laughs> like on a, like on a Wednesday, just like only guy in the track team who had any sort of reasonable access to like coach Cal. Um, it's because his grandpa coached him in high school. Were you the one that told Anthony Davis to, to rock the unibrow? Were you guys there at the same time? Was it you that said like, that needs to be your look? I honestly can't remember if we were there at the same time. I have no recollection. Uh, That's what I heard. Bring that up on the yeah. Ginger Runner. Just when he interviews you, just say, hey, I, when I was going to school in Kentucky, I was great friends with Anthony Davis. I was the one who told him, like, no, 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 you don't shave that unibrow. That's your brand. Yeah. And you just kind of you kind of go I with have it. A, I have a picture with, I think it's Willie Cauley-Stein I have a picture with from, like, one of our uh, – athlete banquet like the athlete banquets when we actually did have access to like the other athletes who are in theory our peers but in reality we're nowhere near our peers i can imagine Um, going to a school like kentucky and you're you're on the cross country and track team which is a huge accomplishment running sec cross country and track is a huge accomplishment in itself but you're going to a basketball school you know, oh, that yeah. is, you are in basketball <laughs> right. town. So, yes, you're running for a big school, but you probably get nowhere near the the accolades and the love and the, the stuff that the basketball team would get. Yeah, no, there's all sorts of funny stuff. Like, the rest of the students have to, like, battle royale, go through a lottery system to get tickets to basketball games. And, you know, being a student athlete, we get you know we just have to pay the five dollar student fee to get a ticket to a basketball game because we're out there supporting our peers like oh yes these are definitely my peers out there supporting them at at Rupp Arena right (laughs) so you run college which is you know a lot of elite level ultra runners I've talked to in the past have have done that they've done that uh, you know running college uh, cross country track did you transition straight into uh, uh, pushing your distance once you got out of college so 
right out of college, well, going through college, I got in trouble a few times for. In you know, college, you got in trouble. Sick. Yeah, I did. A, I did a few long runs, like like sub six pace for twenty miles. Wasn't supposed to do that. It's so um, funny because right now parents are thinking like, I remember when my kid got in trouble, when I got in trouble in college, or when Jeff got in trouble It usually college. involves something like this. <laughs> right? yeah. well, and you got in trouble for running too long in practice. Shame on you. We, we just never got caught with that other stuff. Right, right. <laughs> Did your parents get a call like, Mr. and Mrs. Bevan, oh, hi, this is the coach. Hey, your son is running 20 milers under six we minute miles. We can't have that. We just can't. We're going to put him on probation. Yeah, no, in retrospect... My coach, the words he told me were, I was training for the 10K um, mm-hmm. and 8K, 10K cross country, yeah. 10K on the track. Um, his words to me were, I know you want to be a marathoner, but you are not a marathoner yet. Um, which, you know, that's fair. There is no marathon in D1 athletics. Right, so, right. you know, in that context, I needed to reframe my focus on being the best 10K runner I could be, which, you know, surprise was not that great of a 10k runner really so you're kind of just mediocre success middle of the pack in the 10k yeah i mean around like 30 30 i think i could run under 30 if i really put my mind to it but yeah. like i never even made regionals uh which is top 48 in the east or west yeah um i was almost all sec and cross country which is like the closest i can come to saying i almost did like yeah. a tangible thing in yeah. college athletics uh, but yeah, overall, very mediocre college runner, like 14, 35K runner, 30, 30, 10K runner, um, dime a dozen at D1. Yeah, the problem is you went too big. Had you gone to a school like Murray State or Austin P, there you go. You would have been, <laughs> you would have been the king of the, of the, of the town. You would have yeah. been talking about you. You would have been the Ohio Valley Conference, you know, cross country runner of the year. So it just, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe a little uh, big school choice, but so you graduate and then your coach tells you you're not a marathon runner. Is that when you were kind of freed up to do whatever you wanted to do? Yeah, I was actually so excited out of uh, out of college to be done, like you know, getting rid of the rain, like you know, the yoke that had been college athletics for yeah, the past four sure. years. Um, I was like, okay, finally, I can stop pretending to be a 10k runner. I can just you know run marathons and yeah. ultras. Um, so that first summer is summer 2016. My family went out to the trials, Olympic trials in Eugene, yeah. um, as a family vacation, just to watch because that's the kind of family we are. Are you guys um, the whole family of runners then, right? Yeah, I'm definitely the, like the runner of the family, but <laughs> I think everyone, but my sister has run a marathon and she's probably not too far off of doing one. Oh, um, cause she's, she doesn't want to be the black sheep of the family. She does not want to yeah, be the she, black sheep of the, be that the, person. Of the, of the Bevan family. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, she's done her share of like 25k trail races and half marathons and she just hasn't gotten around to the whole marathon thing yet she doesn't so. want that look you're her parents or your parents give her when she walks in like oh, yeah you, know, <laughs> you could be more like your brother who just broke yeah. a 30 year old <laughs> course record but no, no. you haven't even run a marathon yet <laughs> yeah, yeah. so a, what, so what was your first marathon what speaking of what did you do well, I was going to say, when I was out in Eugene, we yeah. took a trip to Crater Lake, and I was like, oh, that's a big lake. I want to run around it. And 30 miles, so I did it, and I ran around the lake, and then I got hurt. Uh-oh. Yeah. Um, so that put a... I wasn't I like and after that I realized oh maybe I'm not, and the like, coach is I, going see told you I told you <laughs> I told you yeah uh, super screwed up my IT band put me out for like two yeah. months and I was like well maybe my coach was right um, yeah. so that kind of put a damper on that first fall marathon season I was going to run like a Chicago or an Indy sure. um, but so then the next spring is when I really jumped into marathons and 
spent about two years kind of the honing that craft and ran 218 in Indianapolis on my fourth try at the, at the distance. 218. Um, <laughs> any, yeah, any aspirations of uh, Boston? I've run Boston. You've yeah. run Boston. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, he's I ran right. the uh, 2018 year. as the 24th. Okay. Nice. Wow. Nice. So 218. But at some point, Zach, you discover strolling Jim. How, how did you figure out about uh, a strolling Jim? Uh, so I, I work at Lexington's like original running store, uh, John's run walk shop. Yeah. It's been around since like 1978. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, you know, one of those old shoe dogs. Yeah. At the start of the run, every town has the story has like started the running boom, started his shoe store. Um, yeah. it's been around ever since. Uh, and John of John's run walk shop one day was talking about strolling Jim because of course, he had run it back in the day. Sure. Um, and, you know, just the, that's how I heard of it. And the notion of it, you know, captured my imagination. Yeah. Um, so I did a little bit of research on it, saw that there was some prize money, um, which that was kind of the final incentive for me to like, go down and run. Oh, you wanted the cheddar. Year. You wanted to run. You were like, oh, oh, look at this. If I can run sub four, I get six grand. This seems or whatever like a, it is. Yeah. seems like a well, that, that first time. Yeah. The first actually went in 2019 and gave it a crack. Yeah. Right. Um, and it was four grand that year, I think. Um, or five. I don't remember. They, they add money every year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that, I mean, I was like, I want to run this anyway. And then I saw the money. I was like, why is no one like run this yet? And then I realized it's because it's really freaking hard. Why no one's it yet. <laughs> it's, it's not flat and fast. So, no, no. Let's go to 2019. 2019, you roll into Strolling Gym, and how does it go for you? Obviously, I mean, we, we know you didn't set a course record, but how did that race go for you? Yeah, so that one, that was, in 2019, it was 100% an afterthought in my season. Yeah. Um, I'd run the first sub-15 5K since college mm-hmm. that season. I'd run a, actually PR'd in the 10K, uh, run a 107, actually, I ran a 50K trail marathon in there. Yeah. Trail, yeah. Uh, um, ultra in there just for yeah. fun. Um, and then actually six days before strolling gym ran a one Oh seven half in Toledo. And then strolling gym was just like, the, <laughs> that was just like cherry on top, like afterthought for the season. Um, figured like, I want to run this race. I might win some money, probably won't, but I want to see what I can do at it. Um, so, so you went down there. 2019 Zach Bevan, fresh out of college, bright eyed and bushy tailed. Was like, ah, I ran a half last week. I'm going to win some money. I'm going to break this course record. Did you really think that that was going to go down? or? or... Um, I, I think you have could. to go into it with that mentality. Yeah. I thought it like, could on a perfect day. Like, thinking well, through, like, I had already run 218 at that point. Yeah. Um, so I knew I had like the marathon chops. Um, and I, was, I thought it might be a little bit out of my wheelhouse, but it was like, it's the end of the season. I have nothing really to like save this fitness for. And I want to take some downtime after this anyway. So I'm just going to go out there and throw myself at it and see what happens. Yeah, I was um, there in 2019. It was a little warmer in 19 than it was this year. Yeah, there was a thunderstorm. Yep. The sun came out and everyone started to cook. It was, yeah, it was pretty rough. How did, how did that first year go for you? I was awesome through like 25 miles or 22 miles. And then kaboom. Um, yeah, it really blew up around 50K. And then no one tells you that right 10 when the miles walls start. From, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no one tells you that 10 miles from 50K to 40 miles is a lot further than 
10 miles from zero miles to 10 miles. <laughs> so what was, what was your time in 2019? I think I ran 407 or 408. Yeah, 407. Um, I love when he blows up when it's 408. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I lost I lost all of that time in the last 10 miles. So, so I before he goes like on, I should mention he's, he's Lexington, the, the original running sh- place up there. Yeah. I go up on Lexington for business occasionally. And you've probably heard of uh, Lexington Bluegrass Army Depot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I go up there quite a bit. What is the Bluegrass okay. Army Depot? I can't tell you. Oh, is that top secret? Okay, Jeff can't tell you. Google it, everybody, and then and then the people with the black helicopters right. will show up outside your house. Uh, so so you go back at twenty or so two thousand nineteen happens, and you have a horrible race. You blow up, but you still run a horrible race. A four oh was it four oh nine seven four oh seven four oh seven four oh seven. I didn't yeah. have a not a horrible race, just unprepared. Did you go back then for twenty twenty for the the kind of smaller year where they for the COVID year? No, um, I had just run the marathon trials in 2020 and into like, you know, March, basically March, like February 28th or okay. 29th, whatever leap day is yeah. of 2020. Um, and I was taking a long, long vacation after that. Is it just um, yeah. So, and you know, with the whole world with COVID, it just, yeah, it was a really seem... small feel for 20. I was like, yeah, it was I think less than 50 people. Yeah, it wasn't a whole lot of people yeah, running that yeah. for, for the COVID year. Um, um, but, but Zach, did some light, was there a fire kind of when you when you had that bad year but saw, like, listen, you, you blew up. You, you know, kaboom at 20, and then you were destroyed at 30, but you still were eight minutes off of the course record. Did it, did it fire something in your mind? Like, okay, I if can I can this. just get the right training cycle in, this could really happen. Yeah. I kind of had a notion at that point that it was just a matter of having the correct fitness and specificity for that race to actually make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then I've run, you know, more ultras. I ran five Oh three at tunnel Hill last fall for 50. I remember that. So yeah. yeah so is, and I've, I've have noticed that one of my strengths as an ultra runner is I generally hit a point where, you know, everyone does, I don't want to call it a bonk, but you mm-hmm. hit like that glycogen depletion point and everything starts to change. Yeah. And one of my strengths as an ultra runner is that when that happens, I generally do have a fall off in pace, but once I find my new, it's usually only like 10, 15, 20 seconds a mile. And once I find my new, you know, happy place, right. I'm able to hold that, you know, pretty much indefinitely. Um, so I knew that if I could get through enough of the race fast enough, and even if I bonked and you know, fell off, that I could probably you could pull it off. Under. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you change your training? Like, what what specific things were you doing for 2021? Going like this is a real possibility, but I'm going to need to alter things. What are some things you you changed up? I think actually one of the biggest things is just having more ultras in my legs. Okay. Two years later, I mean, you can do all the training you want in the world for ultras, but at the end of the day. Um, the best thing to do is just to run more of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't, you can't sim- like, you know, re- recreate that stimulus any other way. Um, but in terms of the specific training for it, I incorporated this time around the first time I ever incorporated uh, double long runs into some of my weekends, mm-hmm. um, did a lot more last time around. It was coming off a season of stuff focused on, you know, 5k to half marathon. Um, this time around was much more, marathon up specific training 
Um, so in addition to like those double long run weekends and like 30 mile long run weekends, I was also doing about two long runs, like pseudo long runs per week. Yeah. Um, so I'd so do like a you... Tuesday, Thursday, like 15 or 17 mile with stuff at marathon pace in the middle. And then on the weekend, just go out and run 20 or 30 or, you know, back to back twenties, you know, sub six pace. Did gotcha. you, did you um, find somewhere up in your locale that somewhat mimicked the course or did you do hill specific work or did yes to all those things? Uh, yes, all the above. Nice. Um, there's this old running club out like 15, 20 minutes out of town called Todd's Road Stumblers. Yeah. Um, they have an old clubhouse that's been there for 40 years or something that, you know, everyone's name in the world who's ever run in Lexington, who's run out there, they just have these like Hogwarts style, just like sheets of, you know, paper that's on awesome. the wall that you just, you know, cycle through and it has everyone's mileage from the past like 40 years scrawled up there. That's really cool. Um, yeah, it's super cool. Um, and uh, they have routes out there. I ran one of the routes is called Pitbull. Um, and it's as nasty as it sounds. And I ran Pitbull probably like six or seven times. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, yeah, yeah, I mean, you want strolling gym training grounds in this part of the state, it's Todd's Road Stumblers. That's the place to go. It is funny because I do think a lot of people dismiss strolling gym and they're like, oh, it's a road race and oh, it's in May. But they don't realize it's the relentlessness of the course and the fact that it really is on the first, usually the first really hot weekend, you know, where you haven't had time to heat acclimate. And so, you know, that adds a layer of difficulty as well. You must have been looking at the forecast uh, for this year's strolling gym and like licking your chops because it It was was nice and cool. Nice and, you know, like mid 70s, I think was the high temperature predicted for strolling gym day. I mean, you're going to, you know, and that was probably before you were, you know, that, that temperature would hit after you were done. I mean, you were looking at start time, you know, start temperature of 40 to 50 degrees. That was a pretty, did did you look at that at all? Or do you just, you're not a planner like that? Yeah. Well, actually another item on that point is that Andy Jones and I connected on Facebook a while back. Okay. um, And I put something up like when I ran a 30, pretty hilly 30 miler at 550 pace in Louisville, um, like six weeks before the race. I was like, I put, put something up like, man, that felt so easy. I'm like excited about my fitness and yeah. see where this can go. Um, and in, in the like picture I put up, I'm wearing like a toboggan like or like a hat and like gloves. Yeah. It was like, it was like, it was like 38 degrees and still, <laughs> um, and Andy commented something like, wow, it looks like a great run. Make sure you think about the weather. Cause it can be like <laughs> all 85. Over it can be 85. Yeah. It's the, yeah, it's the big, big wild card. Um, so yeah, leading into the race, I was definitely watching it. I tried not to get too excited about it and, uh, because I think when I ran Boston in 2018, that horrible, horrible year that with all the down, like downpour, yeah. the initial forecast, like a week out was pretty perfect. Um, and then it just went to all the shit at the last one. Yeah. The year <laughs> so was like, I'm just like, not even going to look at it until like three days out when it might be more reliable. Like right. it is, it's going to be what it's going to be. Yeah. The year um, we first ran the gym was 18 yeah. and it, thunderstorms lightning it was like a humidity heat, like a heat it was sauna out there yeah it was really it was horrible really, really really a rough year hooking up with andy jones that must have been cool to kind of be able to pick this guy's brain yeah no uh, he's you know from the like i don't know if it's you, you all knew but he was down there for the finish of the race which mm-hmm. was i didn't have any idea he was going to be there which was cool in its own right um but even just kind of having him along for the journey that I was trying to share on social media because 
I hear that's something that you're supposed to do, you know, as an athlete. And I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to be better about doing that. So, um, yeah, if but you want has, sponsors, yeah. listen, listen, Zach, you want sponsors like the other Zachs. If you want to be, if you want to be hashtagging till your thumbs bleed, you're going right. to get a little better on that social media. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a crack at it. It does not come naturally. <laughs> Unfortunately, but. you have to put the time into it. It's just, yeah, you have to get, doing my best. Yeah, you have to get one of those pop sockets, Zach. And then you have to like put your you have to put your camera or your phone on the ground and run past it a bunch of times. <laughs> yeah, you know the, 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 those Instagram intervals. Yeah, no, I actually paid a, paid off a friend in uh, shoes to come do a very contrived photo shoot of me through the city just so I could have <laughs> stuff to put up like with updates of training and stuff. And it, I mean, it's part of the game, and that's that's fine. Um, just like I said, it doesn't come supernaturally to me, but. It, I'm doing my best. All right. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Have you been approached by anybody? Like, listen, Zach, we're interested in you joining Team So and So. We would like to talk to you about your extended have, car warranty. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> none of them have super, you know, interested me. Um, okay. I get shoes pretty cheap, based, you know, the nature of my, listen, my position. You're not going to get Zach Bevan on your team with two pairs of shoes a year. That if ain't you're, yeah, coming, if you're coming at Bevan, like hey, two a month, right? Hey, we're this star. We're, hi, I'm Bob from New Balance. We want you to join Team New Balance in the worst way, Zach. We'd like to well, offer you two pairs of shoes a year and then half well, off another pair. Hold on. What happened to Dan Hoka? Well, I don't, I don't know if he likes Hoka. Oh, all right. What do you run yeah. in, Zach? I, I'm in all, honestly everything. Um, I do the buying for the stores in oh, Lexington okay. here. So all the reps like me because if I like a shoe, I probably will bring it in. Okay. Um, so that also adds another element of like, well, I'm already getting a lot of free shoes and the ones that I'm not, I'm getting at wholesale anyway. Right. So, right. Um, okay. Favorite shoe. What's your favorite shoe right now in the market? In terms of racing training, I'm going to let you go overall. Like your favorite, what is Zach Bevan's favorite overall? That's got to be a training shoe then. Yeah. Um, the one I'm most excited about is the new rebel, the new balance rebel. Okay. Because um, I've been, I love the RC Elite and the Rebels, just, you know, pretty much the same thing without the carbon fiber plate. And I don't know. I'm, <laughs> he's a shoe guy. It's just, yeah. He's a shoe guy. He's I'm training in the, I'm training in the fresh foam two, 1080s. The fresh foam? Yeah. No, I thought you were training in the in the dad barbecue shoes. No, you know the ones no, I'm talking no, about, Zach. No. The the white ones with the navy blue <laughs> and on oh, it that every dad yeah, wears right? at the barbecue. Yeah, the classic dad. <laughs> they weigh about five pounds per shoe. Yeah. <laughs> what people don't realize is when your first child is born, the doctor, you know, they say, "Hey, you want to cut the cord?" And then you do that, and they say, "Come here a second, I got to show you something." And they give you oversized jean jorts, and then right. they give you some New Balance shoes. Like, take these home. Here you go. You're to need it this is your uniform moving forward all right let's go to race day you pull up in war trace there's not there's nothing like it let's just be honest there's nothing like the start line of strolling gym and especially this year when we had to deal with a year without racing and so now all of a sudden we've got hundreds and hundreds of people um, ready to run their various distances and run through War Trace in that beautiful Tennessee countryside. What was the start line like for you, Zach? The start line was refreshingly normal. Um, you know, a couple months ago, I might have been a little bit more leery of it. Yeah. You know, the COVID situation, but with like the updated guidance that's come out about outdoor the safety of being outdoors yeah. and pretty much everyone there, you know, likely being vaccinated. Mm -hmm. It just, you know, it felt 
more appropriate. Um, and it was, it was awesome just to have, you know, a normal, a normal start line with music going and, you know, it was cool and everyone's excited to run fast. And, um, yeah, it was refreshingly normal. It was return. It really was. It was like, Oh my God, this is what the world was like, you know, over over a year ago. I kept expecting there to be like COVID protocol, like things in like pre-race materials, but none of, yeah, it was never there. And like, honestly, the safe, the start did not feel unsafe in any way. It wasn't like jam packed against people like in a, in a mob or anything. It was, everyone was pretty respectful of everyone else's space and it was outdoors and, um, some people had masks here and there. And if that, you know, made you feel more comfortable, that's, that's fine. I was just ready to run. So. Yeah, you're pretty comfortable. If you had a mask on, you would have doubled the amount of clothes you were wearing because you had those tiny salmon <laughs> shorts and the hat on and you're ready to roll. Yeah, no. I was actually debating. I had a pair of Alpha Flies that I got at the trials. Um, Nike just gave everyone a pair and yeah. I wore it at the trials. Yeah. And I wore that same pair at at uh, Tunnel Hill 50 and then had done a few like a workout or two in them. So they had like 85-ish miles on them and I was like, well... Before the race, I was like, if I miss this record by like two seconds and I'm wearing a pair of shoes that, you know, has maybe just a little too few too many miles on it, I'm not going right. to forgive myself. So uh, before the race, I was like, okay, I need a pair of super shoes to wear yeah. in this race. Um, and the salmon ones were the only one left. And when I put it in my cart, Running Warehouse suggested that uh, we don't have a Nike account at the shop. <laughs> um, running Warehouse suggested that. I add the on-sale salmon Nike running shorts. And I was like, you know what? Sure. That Why sounds not? like a fun combo to go with on race day. <laughs> I spent an extra 28 bucks on that. Um, you were living so large. I, you know, yeah, yeah. Listen, you, you had the, the big, you know, uh, dollar signs in your eyes. You saw that big $6,000 payday and you're like $30 shorts. I want to be swimming in cheddar if this all goes correct. Yeah, like oh, color coordination. I'll make yeah, one hundred percent. So, so out on course, you're out there running. Blah blah blah. Did anything scenic jump out at you on the whole thing? I know you're you were obviously pretty focused on running, but did do you remember some distinct things that popped out at you during the course? I can actually think of three off the top of my head. All right. One was a field like a corral of many horses saw those yes yeah which is like that's kind of bizarre yeah um the second was a white peacock i don't know if those are common in tennessee or anything but hmm. yeah white cocks in, white cocks in the south is that a thing <laughs> I, I don't know i you know i'm not sure about that um but the last one was you know mile 30 or whatever it is um the last really big hill and i remember laughing like giggling the same way two years ago um when you make a hard right up the last hill yeah they're on the ground it's scrawled on, like pointing off to the left scenic view right more hills right and, like yeah, you look yeah. off to the left you're like wow that is beautiful and then you look to the right you're like oh my god that's a big hill <laughs> <laughs> who put that there <laughs> you know i saw you blazing at about mile 34 because i was out um trying to to get to jeff um, in a car and I saw you just blowing right by and I'm like oh that dude must be running the marathon because you were just <laughs> booking at that point and I was like and I couldn't even I didn't put two and two together I had no idea the course record was broken until Jeff was done and I had a chance to to uh, you know kind of see what was going down but did you have any any real rough spots or was this kind of really dialed in and put together 
honestly, the first like 20 ish miles were kind of rough. Um, and I've gone over it a little bit in my head yeah. and like talked to my coach. And I think a lot of it has just been, it was kind of a, a weird in between pace and the lack of their, like with all the hills, you yeah. know, it's constantly switching between descending and climbing. No rhythm. No rhythm at all. Yeah. Um, so it took me honestly like 24 miles to like sufficiently wear myself out to where yeah. I could just kind of press to like, you know, that marathon effort Yeah. to feel, you know, instead of like consciously holding a gear back and finding that awkward in between phase to just kind of let it go and be appropriately running took like almost 24 miles for me to, to hit, but, um, 24 to 32, I just, I felt like an absolute monster. And then 32 to the finish, it was, uh, yeah, that stretch it was from, a little bit rougher. <laughs> that stretch from, what was it like 20, 25, 26 through 30, somewhere just before the walls. That was fairly flat in that section there. If, as I recall. Yeah. Yeah. Did I you, mean, you green off a hilltop and then it's, it's slightly down all, all the way up to miles. All the way up to the walls. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. And Zach, you probably blew right by this and didn't even know, but that family at mile 29 and change right before the walls start, that mm-hmm. family, they have been supporting strolling Jim since the beginning. That's the family's farm. And that guy's father we used to spray runners. He used to just grab some food and just set it outside and he would have a hose and he would spray the runners as they would come by and that family on that farm because you run right through their property has been supporting Strolling Jim since the beginning. They're not runners. And so you pull up at that aid station if you're a crew and they're like, oh no, just park on the grass. Come on in. And then I get out of the car and the guy's like, hey, you want a beer? And I'm like, uh, yeah. yeah. And he goes, the fridge is right over there. Help, Help yourself. yourself. <laughs> and I mean, what other race in the world do you have a family of non-runners like make it their day to support people in their weird endeavor? Now, I know you probably yeah. blew right by that, but it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. I want to point that out that, I mean, you got, this is the, a legacy thing. This is 43, 42. 43 years 43rd year going on so yeah pretty amazing okay that last part you said was kind of rough i was reading your report on reddit and you were talking about how you were behind your 2019 attempt in the early miles you were not at the same splits that you were you were slightly slower did that concern you at all Not really, uh, mostly because I knew that in 2019, part of my problem was that I went out just a little bit too fast. Okay. Um, And I was more, I wasn't necessarily concerned about the splits. I was a little bit more concerned early in the race, just the perceived discomfort, not effort. Uh, The effort was easy. It was just the, it didn't feel fluid. It didn't feel smooth. It was just, I felt like I had to think a lot to keep you know, the, the correct pace. Um, and that's the part that did worry me. It's like, it's just, I want to be able to turn that early in the race. I want to be able to turn my brain off and just go into hibernation until, you know, I have to come back out, you know, three, two and a half, three hours in. Now, um, and I definitely could not do that this race. I remember years ago talking to Pat Reagan, who is just a legendary ultra runner, one of the, the East coast's pride and joy. And I said, I said, do you ever think about strolling gym? That's a lot of money uh, to, you know, out there to to break the course record he said he told me he said i could only do that and and pat reagan is a is a very fast runner i could only do that if someone was pushing me the entire time 
That's the only time I could break that record is if I had somebody on my heels pushing me. You didn't have anyone pushing you. I mean, there was a massive gap between you and second place. What was it? 30 minutes between you and second place? An hour. Yeah, you know, it was an hour between first and third. It was it was a huge gap. You were out there on your own. I think basically from two miles in on. Do you run better when you're on your own or do you run faster when someone's pushing you? I'm actually for this sort of thing. So for like a marathon, I would prefer to be in a group um, and work together as a group for this sort of thing. I would prefer to be alone Um, just because if I was out there racing someone and that's part of what got me in trouble at tunnel Hill is that there was someone there who I didn't expect um, who for the first 20, 25 miles was pretty close on my heels. And then he ended up dropping out and I had no idea, but the fact that he was on my heels altered how I approached that first 20, 25 miles. Um, so at strolling gym, I was, I was happy to, you know, very quickly be off alone, left to my own devices because I just wanted to go to my happy place, dial in and, you know, take my nutrition in, not have to think about competing, but just, you know, pay really close attention to the effort that I was doling out at, you know, different points on the course. So Laz was out at various points on the course, calling out your splits to you, I guess. Yeah. So you'd Um, often just hear this, you know, 237. You'd hear that (laughs) in the background, you'd know. (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, remarkably perfect. (laughs) (laughs) My Laz and my Andy Jones Wilkins. They're they're similar, yeah. Strikingly similar. So you're getting that. When did you know, like, okay, this is happening? I didn't. Well, there were two points, and they were about 13 miles apart. well, they're more like 15 miles apart. At about 25, going down that hill, I suddenly felt absolutely invincible. And I was like, there's no way. I, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. Um, but I, I very quickly tempered that impulse because I was like, okay, 15 miles left. There's a lot that can happen in 15 miles, no matter how good I feel right now. Um, so I kind of put a, put a lid on it there and then didn't, didn't let the lid off until literally 200 meters before the finish. Um, that I did not trust that I was going to do it or that it was going to actually happen until about 200 meters before the finish. And then you see like, Oh God, I've got four minutes. I could, I could stop and walk. I could stop break dance (laughs) and I could do the worm all the way in and I would still break the course record. That would be, wow. Yeah. That's, that's when I trusted it. It was even like a half mile out. I was like, well, I feel pretty terrible. I could just, crumble into a heap like at any moment that wouldn't surprise me so (laughs) So the the question becomes how long will the course record stand now well will it last 31 years that's that is a good question but first we have to know like you finish this thing you see that you've just set the new course record for strolling gym what are you feeling at that point i was super excited and then as soon as i like I like hit my watch and I actually, I did like a fist pump across the, the finish line, stopped my watch, started coming to a stop. And as soon as I started coming to a stop, my body was like, Oh, cool. You're done. You're done. <laughs> yeah, time, time to shut off. And like my legs just started to like give out from under me, which you know, tends to happen if like, as soon as you give it permission to stop it, it stops. But um, then you see a gentleman in a silver, but a, a silver strolling gym shirt walk up to you. Right. Yeah, no, he made sure I found a chair right there. And uh, yeah, it turned out to be Andy Jones, which is pretty neat. Did you guys, it seemed like you guys had a private moment. 
Like he was, you guys had, there was no one else around. You two were discussing something. If you, you don't have to share it if you don't want to. What were the two of you talking about um, when you're sitting down finally and there's the only two people in existence to run sto- strolling gym in under four hours are now chatting about something? Oh, I think I'm afraid you have to run under four to, to know that secret. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know what I'd say, but you know. <laughs> you better not tell Ginger Runner. Tell me that right now. <laughs> that was really cool to see that. And you have a silver shirt now. Well, they need to custom make it, apparently. Oh, okay. I thought they so made a bunch of them. No, I thought maybe there was like no. 10 of them sitting around. So there's not, a, you don't have your silver shirt yet. No, Durbin's like, oh, well, I have to custom make one. I'll nail it to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back to Stafford's talk here. Now that we know, <sighs> if you run under four hours, all so just know that the next person who runs under four hours at Strolling Gym, Andy Jones and Zach Bevan magically appear like ghosts from Star Wars. What do you say? And they chat with you. And, they, and then they'll say like, listen, now you're welcome into the club. And you get a jacket. You guys need to get jackets. And patches. Yeah, like you got like like a blazer. There needs to be like a master's blazer. <laughs> a green jacket. <laughs> you know, yeah. like something, something for the for the green grass Australian gym. <laughs> but okay, so now we can have the talk. I mean, he may be a little partial because he's the one who said it, but how long do we go another 30 years That's the before question, someone yeah. breaks the the Australian gym course record? We'll start with current Australian Un- gym course record holder, Zach Bevan. I think the motivation would have to be right. So there are definitely people out there who can do it. I'm, you know, far from the best runner, far from the best ultra runner, um, even in this part of the country. And, but the, like just the toll it takes on your body, the motivation would have to be right. So maybe if that purse builds back up to at least, you know, three or $4,000, I think that might be the care to get the right person out there. But I don't know. I could be wrong. Could, could be like, someone who's just super passionate about doing it. Is it five hundred dollars a year? They up they up the ante five hundred bucks a I'm year. Not, I think. I'm not sure what it is. We're gonna go ahead and say that's what it is. Um, <laughs> so, okay, so it's gonna be a while. Stafford, what do you think? Well, what was the specific question again? You asked it. How long is the course record gonna stand? Oh, the current course. Record. Yeah, yeah. You asked um, the question. Do we need to go to the I doctor? Are you starting to have some memory no, no, issues? I think I think Zach will be back and better. Quite frankly, I, th- I think you can do better. You think you're gonna? So so he's saying you're gonna. I come think and you run can it. honestly. I think you could shave. I think you could shave four minutes off of that. I think with a perfect day, perfect fitness, perfect day, maybe. I think you could, um, but it would. Ooh, I left. I left a, a bit of my soul out there, so I think. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, a, a, um, a couple, a couple years off. I don't think it'll. It, I don't think it'll go. I don't think it'll go 31 years again. I don't think so either. I I've, think. I think it'll be more. I'm going to say 10 years or less. 10 years or less. But you just had an elderly man, like like talk shit to you, like try to get you to do it again. So are you going to let? Do it. Are you going to let that stand? Or are you are you going to take a couple of years off? I'm going to take a couple of years off. I'd oh. also love to go back at some point and I hear there's like beer. You said, yeah, there's beer on the course and apparently yes. like burgers. Like I want to go, go out crew and like it. have yeah. fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. Next year. So. Th- that's what you need to do. So next year, Zach, what you need to do is you need to crew somebody and you yeah, need, pr- 
Yeah, you need I to get should. drunk. You could be dumping those beers <laughs> and having a good old time, and yelling at people. That's yeah, what you no, need to do. One of the one of the fun things about Tennessee is that if you're not driving, you're allowed to be drinking. Right, so. you betcha. And <laughs> yeah. so, Zach, we'll do that because we got room in, in Stafford's camper. You come down and you just crew a random person, and then you yeah. wear your silver strolling gym shirt, and then just get belligerent on the course, like no one else is getting a silver shirt this year. You suck! <laughs> People run by going, is that, is that Zach Bass? That's, that, yeah, that's Zach. That's, yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God, what a fall from grace. <laughs> see, Stolen valor! See, listen, this is what's going to be the more interesting part of your ESPN 30 at 30. It's going to be like, this is going to be, you know, the part where they, they change the music from up-tempo and exciting right. to this lowly piano music. And then Zach went back in 2022 and things fell apart. <laughs> All right. Zach Bevan, you got $6,000 now. Are you going to put it in the bank or are you going to do something stupid with it? Bitcoin. He bought Dogecoin um, with it. <laughs> Should have bought it like a month ago. I know, right? <laughs> no, I haven't decided yet. Um, probably some mix of... I'll probably put a little bit in a fun account, some in investments and some in savings and just be kind of boring. But I might also just buy a camper van and live in it. Who knows? You could do that or you could do uh, brass knuckles that say strolling gym on it and diamonds. Right. <laughs> I could, or, I could or, invest, or invest in Imperial iced tea white claw. <laughs> <laughs> Also a possibility. The possibilities Man, are endless. The sky is the limit for Zach Bevan mm-hmm. and his six thousand dollars. Well, did they give you like one of those big publishers clearinghouse checks? No, actually, the only time I've ever gotten that from prize money was one of the smallest amounts of money I've ever won, which I think is hilarious. Okay, so you got a big check for how much? I think it was like a hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> the <laughs> big like, check costs more than that. I was like fifth in a road mile that I just ran for shits and giggles. There was like beer afterwards and I was like three beers deep and they like gave me a giant check and I was like, what is this? Oh Lord. (laughs) So, so what's next on the horizon for Zach? So I think I'm going to run, assuming recovery goes okay, I'm going to run Yammercrawl 50K May 22nd. Um, I was planning on running that in April as a tune-up, but it got delayed because yeah. of flooding. Right. Um, I really like that race director. I love the course, um, and there's a decent payday for it, so I'd like to go out and do it. Um, and then this fall, after that, I'm going to you know have some downtime, really recover, and then jump into training for Chicago Marathon and JFK 50 this fall. Okay, I got to ask, JFK, are you gunning for that course record? I don't really. I just want honestly. It depends on who shows up, but I I just want to win. All right. I'm honestly a little bit tired of being a little overlooked just because of the races I run and where in the country I am. Well, no, um, it's, I think yeah, it's I think I can hang with the best of them in in the country. And just because I don't live in Colorado or Arizona doesn't mean I can't compete on that level. Well, you so. know, it's funny, Zach. That's why we started this podcast right. is because nobody was tr- talking about anything east coast, east of the Mississippi. No, as like it didn't exist, mm-hmm. and the runners didn't <laughs> exist. And how interesting is it to see now, you know, a, a runner from Lexington beat one of the toughest. You know, courses set a new course record. Uh, one of the one of the best, one of the most stout records in all of ultra running. That falls, and then you have a guy that's not too far from you up in Illinois, Taggart Van Etten, who sets the new, you know, hundred mile uh, treadmill 
record. I mean, he beat Zach Bitter by, I mean, was it 20, 30 minutes? Was it 11 something? So it was, yeah. I mean, it was, so it's funny that all of a sudden now, this speed, this talent, these headlines are coming out of the Eastern United States. And so you go to JFK and you blow the doors off some people. That's making a pretty big statement for the Beast Coast, Zach. You got I hope it. so. I hope to You got to do it. So. You got to do it. <laughs> then you get to cross the finish line, turn around and go, Beast Coast, motherfuckers, Beast Coast. <laughs> you know, you get to like taunt or something. I think we've yeah. we've earned it at this point. So that's coming up. Any any desire for 100 miles or is that something you're like, ah, you let you idiots do that on your own? Maybe eventually. I think the upper end of my sweet spot is probably 100K. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I would love to give a hundred mile shot, and maybe I'm good at it. But I've never really done anything to have a notion of how I'd perform that long on feet. So, all right, all right, there he is, the incredible Zach Bevan. He is the new record holder, strolling Jim. Everybody, this is the time you have to beat now. Three hours. 55 minutes and 44 seconds, meaning every first weekend in May, Zach is going to be updating his phone going, is someone going to get it? Is someone going to get it? Is someone going to get it? (laughs) Until someone finally does get it. And it could be an elderly Zach Bevan in his silver strolling gym shirt passing the torch on to someone else because this record could stand for a very long time. Zach, thank you for joining us on the Adventure Jogger. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right, VentureJogger.com is where you go if you want Adventure Jogger gear. All the episodes are there as well, so if you're not caught up, get caught up, and thanks for listening. We are 100% listener-supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search The Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to TheAdventureJogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. 